Welcome to Marketing Mysteries Solved, where we explore the trials and triumphs of marketing for healthcare executives. Wendy O'Donovan Phillips, CEO of Big Buzz, is on the case, interviewing guests through her proprietary process and solving some of the toughest marketing challenges in the industry. Let's get started. In some cases, we could seal the identity of our guest in order to support them in protecting their company's trade secrets. This is one of those cases. What I can tell you about today's guest, Lee, is that he is an executive with a senior living organization that has multiple locations and is looking to quickly scale and expand. Enjoy. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Wendy. Thanks for having me. Before we got started here, we were talking about the journey that brought you to the marketing conversation, all of the issues that you were seeing in marketing at, at the time that we first started our conversation. Email marketing, right? We, at first we thought maybe the, maybe the challenge is to nurture current prospects down into the funnel through email marketing. What were some other issues that you saw in marketing? Yeah, you're right. It started with email and, and journey, I think is the right word. The more you scratch the surface, the more I I learned what I don't know. I clearly saw its importance for the company. I mean, I, I can't think of anything more important than getting our message out and bringing in residents for, for our business, for our core business. I have a bit of a background, you know, running companies, which is always, you know, you're a bit of a marketer if you're building a company of any sort. And so I wanted to kind of pitch in and help. First place was email marketing. We had not been really doing email marketing. We just hadn't really figured out how to do it. Multiple communities, multiple email marketing platforms. It was a bit disjointed. And so I dove in to kind of help out with that because I'd done a bit of that in the past. And as I dove in, I started to learn more and more, learn what I don't know. And I went through all of the stages, I think, of uh, stage one being really enamored with digital advertising and all the jargon and technicality around it and all the metrics around it, the ability to sort of trace everything in a granular level. And I thought that was very eye-opening. But then as my understanding into our marketing and operations evolved, I learned to see that as a part of a much bigger hole and not a panacea. Indeed, there were so many clues that marketing was just not exactly quite right, but you very quickly got down to what the hidden suspect was lurking in the shadows, what the real issue was. What did you really learn? Really starting to see a balanced, full picture of what marketing should look like and really starting to realize that we were not listening. Our ears were not open. We felt like we knew who we were. We were attaching words to what we were doing, but we weren't, we didn't have a sense of what other people thought about us or what other people thought we were doing well or not well. And your, your flourish approach, I read your book when you sent it to me. Part of what was really appealing about that was one is very simple. You know, it took away all of this complexity that had at one point, you know, fascinated me and it boiled it down to something simple. It started with listening, which is what you do in life. It's what you do in sales. You discover first. I realized we weren't doing that. Um, and so we have a lot of words on our website and I'm not even really sure if that captures our essence in any way. We suspect that there might be a disconnect between who we are, who we think we are and who others think we are. And so we're, uh, I would say the stage of the journey we're at now is that discovery stage. I like the full arc of the experience that you describe, right? Where, you know, the first conversation we had was about, about email marketing. And then you did do that deep dive into digital advertising. I love that you touched on that because I think that a lot of executives like you get down that dark hole. And I call it a dark hole because it's not a good idea to just put blinders on and just go down the path of digital marketing because it really can be a dark hole of just chasing leads rather than looking at the full picture. You touched a 
little bit on, on marketing planning, because really what we want to get down to in any marketing conversation is the thing killing your organization the fastest, right? I love that you talked about listening and that's what brand really is. If we're not listening to our customers and understanding what they love and know about our brand in particular, as opposed to our competitors, we could write all the emails in the world. We could put all the digital ads out across all the, all the media. We can ratchet up ad spends and get a bunch of leads in the door, but what a phenomenal waste of time for your frontline staff, right? I think that most healthcare executives stand in the shoes that you stand in. And yet the clues of marketing can be so overwhelming where it's like, I feel like we have to fix everything and we should do it all now. And it just starts with focusing on the right clue instead of all of the clues at one time. So why is it important to you particularly to solve that one issue? Because I think we're, we're bumping around blind about doing that. And I think we're making decisions based on our instinct where our instincts are incredibly biased. We think we're great. <laughs> and I mean, I've, there are plenty of other people do too, but we're, we're, we're shooting in the dark. Everything we do revolves around residents and their families. And we're kind of making marketing decisions, messaging decisions, somewhat siloed. And I think it has led us into weird territories. You look at the word, the way we describe ourselves, for example, we say resort style senior living. Well, that's what we do, especially on the sort of real estate and development side of the shop. We we want to build resort style communities. But we talk about like that sometimes in our messaging, like that's a, the end itself. But we all know the end itself is making life better, providing happiness, moments of joy, making being a senior a, a, an exciting and, and new stage of life. And so, yeah, that's a powerful means to that end, but it's not the itself. And so I think by listening, we can kind of maybe distill our message down to the end itself rather than sort of some of the, the tools and tactics that help us to achieve those ends. Mm -hmm. I like what you said earlier too, about any good relationship starts with listening. Marketing isn't that different from what we do in our families or, you know, out in public on a regular basis. You wouldn't start a relationship with a family that is the, then going to move a loved one in by like throwing ads at them, right? You would start by asking them, you know, if they walked into the foyer of one of your properties, you know, you would start by asking them the right questions and getting them talking and listening to their fears and, and really getting at their own root cause. So we're sort of demonstrating for our listeners today, this idea that, you know, they too can, can download a, a, a list of clues from their marketing department about what's broken. Also with our customers, right? That, that you all could do that with your families and, and future residents residents uh, in terms of downloading things. Yeah. And I like that you said, I mean, words are important, especially in this industry. There's just such a sea of sameness, right? Where like, we're all about care. We're all about love. Yes. And there's a very specific way that your residents and families talk about your brand that is so special, that is so different than how they talk about other competing entities. And you can't make that up. I mean, you and I have talked about that too, that like, you know, as a, as a marketer, as an executive in healthcare, like you and I could sit in a boardroom with all of our appropriate experts in the room and come up with a thousand different ways to say something really special, but still fall a little bit flat until we dust for this print. What is the thumbprint that this brand has put on the market? Let's dust for that and then replicate it. And, and when you ask a family member or a resident, what did this brand do that was different and better? Gosh, Lee, they just, they light up and they share these stories of transformation that, that you and I could not replicate if we tried. So that to me is like the magic of solving that marketing mystery. Yeah. I can't wait. First of all, dust for prints is spoken like a true writer. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I think you're right. You know, we get these messages, especially um, our property level teams, our executive level, they get these really heartfelt messages. It's never something that has kind of feeds into the way we talk about ourselves publicly. So I'm excited to hear what the, what the uh, dusting for Prince comes back with. And there's, and there are commonalities in all of those. When we organizationally go out and seek testimonials or we seek customer feedback, again, we'll, we'll get sound bites. We'll get little bits and pieces, but, you know, just running a simple survey to really uncover what residents and families think by virtue of like this, asking the same set of questions to all of them, then you can kind of look at that voice of the customer data and start seeing the trends, right? Like you could see, oh, I could, connect these dots, that it's not just one testimonial is very nice and the other one is, is very nice, but they're about two different things. One's, you know, about activities and one's about events. No, this is, you see those commonalities. And then that's what we really can replicate and put out to market. Because when you put the right words and the right images that genuinely uh, stand for what those current residents, families, customers, patients, what they believe to be true about you, it just becomes this lovely self-fulfilling prophecy. Let me ask you this. Pretend like we hadn't gotten down to that root cause. Wait, let's stop and listen first. Let's say we had gone down the rabbit hole of email marketing was a big clue. Let's say we were embarking on email marketing. Tell me a little bit about how you think that would turn out differently if we didn't do the brand listening exercise first and if we did do it. It makes me think about a data-driven approach. You know, in general, we wanted to be more informed with data. Email marketing is a way to do that because you can kind of measure analytics and bury your sort of touch points based on how people are responding, clicking, opening emails, et cetera. And the same thing with web analytics and digital advertising writ large is you have these metrics that help you make informed decisions. And in that, going back to that stage, when I viewed that as like the panacea, what we really needed to get better at, I was really drawn to data-driven decision-making. But what I learned is when we were looking at inquiries by source, it all sort of pointed to digital marketing. You know, it was like, okay, we got one inquiry from this, from our sign, or we got one inquiry from direct mail. And it just didn't seem right. And then I realized that when you're a hammer, the whole world is a nail, right? <laughs> People are going to go to the website. They may have heard about you from their community, you know, from their neighbor at a cocktail party. They drive by the sign every day. There could be a variety of sources, but it's going to show up in a, a web search, an organic web search. That is a little bit misleading. So I've kind of changed my opinion in terms of being informed and data-driven information as being the sort of listening experiment. Come back to your question about email marketing, how it would have turned out differently if we would have embarked in a big campaign that didn't uh, listen, that just sort of repeated the kind of words and positioning that we had done to date, I think it probably would have been moderately successful. You know, sure. we would have gotten inquiries per se. The quality of those inquiries, whether they were a good culture fit for us, whether they would have been convertible inquiries, I think that's a little more questionable. So at a sort of objective level, I'm sure that an email campaign without a listening exercise first would generate a lot of inquiries, probably a lower conversion rate. And it probably would have been kind of a waste. You know, we would have been spinning our wheels a little bit just doing the same thing over and over again with a different delivery method. It will be a better use of our time for sure. You make such a good point that it would have been moderately effective. And I think that that's what's so deceiving for healthcare organizations like yours, where moderately effective, good enough seems good, right? I mean, Jim Collins famously wrote good to great because it's so hard to get out of just good. I mean, even in America at large, I mean, there are so many corporations that just run at, you know, moderately effective and you can go along like that for, a you know, forever. And yet in my experience, 
just a little bit of, of survey data to drive that messaging, it really does create those, creates that self-fulfilling prophecy where a would-be client of yours thinks and believes one thing about your brand, comes to the website, receives some emails that completely validate and completely support that line of thinking, that belief system. And then they go, oh, yes. Now I'm in the right place. It's a feeling, right? Like brand is just a feeling. It's really about conveying emotion from one person, the brand personality, to another person, the target persona. And so again, we come back to this idea of like, when you're trying to be friends with people, just listen to them. <laughs> that's good. Marriage advice, that's good. Uh, right. Life advice, that's good. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I, th I think you made a good point that that's applicable to all things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, but it's just funny, right? How we, how we dismiss that. It's like we put on our masks when it comes to work and to business, right? Well, now I have on my business mask and we're going to do some, we're going to tighten up the CRM and we're going to do some email marketing because it seems like the moderately effective thing to do. And again, I mean, it's so, I, and I don't mean that as a criticism by any means, the majority of organizations good enough is good enough. You know, we come back to this idea of, oh, people are just people. Like our brand should listen to the people. Our brand personality should be one that that listens and acts upon that information and is truly kind uh, and clear with people. Brene Brown famously wrote, clear is kind, right? When we're very clear about who we are and what we stand for and why you as an individual will be enveloped in this feeling and that you really belong here. Gosh, is there anything kinder that you could do for a family or a potential resident when they're trying to make the biggest decision of their lives, right? Yeah, that's actually really good. Good point. I, I wholeheartedly agree with this sort of putting putting people back into marketing. I think this is a, a broad macro level course correction that's happening in society writ large that you're on the forefront of. And uh, I think that's going to really define the way we kind of rethink things in the, in the coming years. It's happening really quickly and it's so overduly there is bound to be some really big changes coming down the pike. So again, I mean, go, going back to what you were saying about the digital advertising side, by all means, I always say business as usual. If you're running, you know, Google ads, Facebook ads, keep them going. They're bringing in leads. There's, they're part of the larger, you know, ecosystem for marketing, but just, you know, I want our listeners to be sure that they are with a firm or have advisors that can really keep them on top of what's what's happening with uh, changes in in technology and digital marketing because it's happening very quickly and this is just the start of it. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. Can't wait for answers to some of your biggest marketing challenges? Text SOLVE to 31996 and download a free chapter of your choice of one of Wendy's best-selling books. She has a book just for the senior living industry, one for medical organizations, and another one just for dentists. Most healthcare organizations feel overwhelmed about marketing. Wendy offers the cure. Her concise handbook shines a light on how you can put a method to your marketing for years to come. Text SOLVE to 31996 to download your free marketing book excerpt now. That's S-O-L-V-E to 31996. And now, back to the show. You said something that um, resonated with me. I sound like I'm plugging your book left and right. You're going to have to put me on. <laughs> Our listeners get a copy, so it's all good. Thank you. <laughs> 
you'll get a free copy. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned something that, you know, tactics are good, but tactics is not a replacement for strategy. You know, digital, digital advertising, digital marketing, I've come to see those things just like email marketing as tactics, which are good, which in aggregate are produce probably moderately good results, but it's not strategy and the strategy is more holistic, probably more human focused um, and just more of a diverse, it doesn't mean you should pull back on these, you know, these things that we know work in the current landscape, but um, yeah, just generally more holistic. Absolutely. I think it's such a, uh, an important point to make because I think that a, a lot of executives in healthcare shy away from thinking about spending time and budget thinking about marketing or marketing strategy, which is what you and I are talking about, right? Voice of the customer, brand, listening, even marketing planning, right? That's like, okay, but that's not actually going to market and getting us leads. So there is absolutely a balance. And I mean, you know, in, as in so many areas, uh, the 80-20 rule definitely applies here where, you know, 20% of the time come up out of all of that tactical marketing, you know, all of the marketing clues that you, that you see that are sort of could become distractions and start to look at what is really killing our organization the fastest? What is it that we're not doing on a high level that if fixed, because this is one of those cases where when we do our work right, you know, having the right brand messaging documented that really resonates with your audience and comes from your audience was born from surveys that they responded to my gosh, that's going to make marketing planning a lot easier because they're going to tell us exactly where they looked for you and exactly where they would look for you. It's going to make digital advertising a lot easier because we're not going to go, here are 70 ads that we wrote. You know, it's going to be here, here's a set of three that we know have your message and have your look and feel. Email marketing becomes easier because we have three differentiators. We're all singing from that same song sheet, right? So the amount of time and money that I see organizations like yours just save and, and be smarter with just by spending 20% of the time really thinking about marketing. Um, and one of the tools that that we used leave early on was the SWOT analysis to like more clearly prioritize right action, strengths, weaknesses, weaknesses being um, internal weaknesses. That's where we started talking about the email marketing and the digital advertising at the time. Threats, outside threats, like of course you have competition in each of the lo locales and then opportunities. And as a marketer, I always look at weaknesses and threats as just opportunities being born. What was your experience of, of the SWOT analysis to sort of clarify the marketing problem? Again, a very simple clarifying exercise. Hit the stop button, take a look at yourself at a high level, and then allow that, allow yourself to be receptive to what ends up on the SWOT analysis. And um, it's kind of a little bit of a reset button. It was for me. We work so hard and we're constantly like focused on output and forcing ourselves to just, like you said, just thinking about what we're doing, um, thinking about ourselves in objective, maybe critical ways. I found it just an elegantly simple, helpful exercise. One of the things that emerged in my mind from doing that exercise was the threat of um, our sort of bandwidth, which isn't something we talked about a ton, but, you know, it's like, okay, there's all these things you can be doing. We're, we're growing quickly. Um, we all have, you know, we all need to sleep <laughs> at some point uh, and we need to have happy and healthy work-life balances as well. And so, the ability to kind of like a stitch in time save this non type of mentality where we let's hit stop, let's do this analysis, let's do voice of customer, let's let's think about what we're doing, let's do a SWOT analysis. Ultimately, will will save us time, 
will help us to not create a you know a 90 ad book of ads that we don't know how it's working you know to really have clear differentiators and act on them and so it was clarifying in that way I appreciate that. I, and I, I appreciate that you talked about we're working so hard and there's so much output. I think that our listeners can really relate to that, I, you know, in, in healthcare, in senior living, in private practice, everybody is working so hard and there are so many moving parts, even for an internal marketing team, a SWOT analysis can work very, very well. I like how you think of it as like sort of pressing the reset, maybe once a quarter or once a year to get the internal marketing department together and just go through the exercise of, you know, what are our strengths and just have everybody ideate and share and put us, you know, put it up on a whiteboard. And then what, what do we see as our weaknesses or our outside, or sorry, inside holes and gaps that we want to, to fill. Uh, and and we, we do it clockwise. So strengths and then weaknesses, and then going down to the bottom to threats, you know, what, what what's outside of our control. Uh, certainly last year uh, in the midst of this time last year, we were on the phone with all of our, each one of our customers individually pressing the reset button and using the SWOT analysis to do it. We had so many outside threats that we could not control. But then you come around to that opportunities column and the internal team it's so remarkable to me, Lee, how how incredibly optimistic, to your point, marketers are and how, I mean, they're they're brimming with ideas. You know, if, even if they've been with the organization a very short amount of time, they already have a perspective that you or I don't have, right? They can contribute on a completely different level. I've had an employee be with me for a matter of months and pipe up in one of these sessions and, you know, knock down some opportunity that I'm like, like would have never thought of that because I'm not in my 20s and a brand new person in a marketing agency. I'm, I've been around the block for a while, right? It could be a really, really great reset tool anytime that an organization sees, you know, a, a drop off in leads or things plateauing or, you know, the marketing department sort of struggling. It's just, it could be great to get everybody in a room and just talk through all of that and write it up on the whiteboard. And then those opportunities become the, the actionable items. Okay, these are marketing strategies Again, I say strategies, meaning marketing, high level marketing actions, not tactics, but high level marketing actions that we can take to improve where we are right now on our weaknesses and threats. It's really eye opening. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And I, I think just the, the act of getting everyone in a room is, is, can be profound as well, getting in a room to think. We are, we're all guilty of allowing the urgent to crowd out the important. And I think marketing sometimes falls into that category at the sort of like executive level, decision-making level. There's some, there's a lot of time spent on, you know, looking at net operating income, looking at budgets, looking at clinical issues, looking at HR issues, looking at sales metrics. And I, I don't know how all organizations work, but I know in some organizations I've been in before, there's this tendency to think like, okay, marketing, go in the corner and produce leads. It's so true. Uh, which it's is, so you true. know, if you think about it, that's, it doesn't make any sense. It should be, you know, at that highest level of conversation, always taking the time to get the people in the room, I think is, uh, is just invaluable and profound in and of itself. And the SWAT is kind of a, a, a tactic towards accomplishing that. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I would call it, I would call SWAT a strategy. Again, I'm splitting hairs here, but I, but I do that because I see internal marketing teams get confused on the tactical and the, and the strategic so often, and they think they're being strategic. They think that they're taking right high level action and, and they're just in the whirlwind as, um, 
uh, I think it was the four disciplines of, of execution. Uh, they talk about the whirlwind where it's like, it's just all these projects and all these, and you know, and, and you make a really good point that, you know, finance and operations are breathing down marketing's neck going more, we need more leads. We need more leads. We need, and it's like, that's not all that we do, but it really, it can really spiral down into that. We worked with an organization one time, they had seven different tactical plans and they were sending, I think it was 300 emails to their database every month. And we were like, so we're going to ratchet that down so, <laughs> so that we can speak more clearly to your audience and so that we can free up marketing's time to actually think, to actually spend an hour together and do a SWOT analysis, right? Because then things slowly become clearer and clearer when you're not in that whirlwind. Just having a sort of a workshop with all of the senior executives to talk about marketing is, um, it, it resonated with me very strongly. It's a good point because uh, many of our listeners won't have an internal marketing department. So it could be as simple as getting together your executive team. It could be even simpler than that and getting together with, uh, you know, for a, a medical or a dental practice, just the frontline team and and sit down and do this with them, regardless of, of who you're bringing together. Again, the whole point of it is put the people back into the marketing, start listening to the people you work with of like, what do you think is working and not working? Yeah. So when, when you and I first started our conversation a few months back, we had a lot of clues in front of us, right? What I have enjoyed the most about working with you to this point is that we don't take it at just the surface level. We're, as you like to say, we're putting those liberal arts degrees to, to work <laughs> and we're, and we're digging down deep and saying, what is the core issue? So I, I just really, really appreciate that you stuck in that full arc of the journey with me and, and you uh, were able to come to the conclusion that, that brand was really the thing that once we put that into place, I mean, it's going to help so much with the marketing planning, but it's also going to help with, I mean, even what you're talking about, about replicating anything you're trying to replicate, you know, let's start with brand. So uh, I'm excited about where this is going to carry us. So to, to wrap up, what advice do you have for our listeners? The advice I would give is, is embark on the journey. Start that journey. Um, open your ears. All right. Well, thanks for, thanks for being here. Thank you very much, Wendy. It was a pleasure as always. In today's episode, we talked about two main solutions. The first was the brand listening solution. To do this on your own, just start with a simple list of clients who you love serving the most as your ideal to replicate and survey them. The excerpt of the book that you'll receive has explicit instructions on exactly how to do this on your own. The second solution that we talked about was the SWOT solution. To do this on your own, get the appropriate team members together in one room and on a whiteboard or a chalkboard, write strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats across the top of the board. Just ask people to chime in. We call it popcorn style. Just as ideas come to them, what do they see as the strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats in terms of marketing for your organization? It's surprising what you'll learn. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to Marketing Mysteries Solved. If you found this episode enlightening, please subscribe to our show and leave a review. To hire Wendy to speak to your organization or to explore working together, get started now at BigBuzzInc.com. That's BigBuzzInc.com. We look forward to connecting with you. Thank <laughs> you.